0: Are you a GenZibar user or super user? Well, it's time to jam at GenZibar Jam, May 31st through June 3rd in Orlando, Florida. Register today at jam.genzibar.com. Three higher ed authors, 100 plus college and university presidents, dozens of actionable insights for academic leaders. Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education is now available on Amazon. Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the Ed Up Experience podcast, where we make education your business. Dr. Joe Salustio back with you on another episode. I say that over and over again, but it's true. I want to thank you all, as I usually do, for picking up a copy of Commencement, the Beginning of a New Era in Higher Education, a book I just recently wrote this past November of 2022, along with my co-author Kate Colbert that brought in insights from the first 125 presidents we interviewed on this podcast. It's sold thousands of copies and is in, in the hands of higher ed administrators all across the globe, and we could not be more honored. Thank you for your support. Uh, and I'm going to continue to say thank you every single episode um, because I really mean it. But I'm going to just get back. I'm going to skip all the other stuff that I say, and we go right to the episode because we've got important people here today. I'm going to bring in my guest co-host first. You know him, you've heard him. I hear him chirping in my ear every day. He's calling me, telling me things. Joe, do this. You should do that. And he likes he likes to tell me what to do. Uh, so I say, Bill, uh, come on the podcast so I can tell you what to do. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen. He's Bill Pepicello. He is the former president of the University of Phoenix and an online guru of higher education. What's going on, Bill?
1: Hey, Joe. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to be here to help you save this episode just like I have on many occasions.
0: Uh Uh-huh, yeah. I don't know about that, Bill, Um, but uh, one thing I know is true, and it's this. Oh, wait, it's this. See, I have to scroll through these things. I immediately regret this decision. So, you know, I don't know about having you here, but we're gonna get through it. Um, I appreciate you coming on. We're gonna bring in our guest right now. He's got a lot to say and he's running an incredible institution. Um, I've been uh, thinking about having him on because we have some connections, some mutual connections and it kind of presented itself. And I said, let's just do it, let's do it now. And he came on willingly, here he is. Ladies and gentlemen, he is Dr. Nito Quabain. He is president of High Point University. Nito, what's going on?
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is an, uh, an unusual podcast. I love all these sounds you've got going on in the band. You must have a full orchestra.
0: Well, <laughs> if you, uh, you know what? I actually do. And it's unusual. It's only been the first two minutes. So I don't know what's what you're going to say at the, by the end of this uh, sucker here. But um, let's let's talk about High Point University. Let's assume, we always assume that there's somebody out there in our audience that has not heard of High Point University. So tell us like you're telling us for the first time about High Point. What do you do and how do you do it? Hype
2: University is in Highport, Point, North Carolina. It's a school that I um, uh, gladly chose to um, lead back in 2005. It was a, a tiny little school with all kinds of, of issues and problems, including about $125 million in deferred maintenance. Um, I was slated to be the incoming chairman of the board of trustees, and the trustees begged me to Come and be president to try to save it. I agreed to do it for two years. This is my nineteenth year. Amazing! I knew that's coming, so <laughs> um, <clears throat> I could just I could just feel it. My nineteenth year, and the reason I'm here the nineteenth years later is because I fell in love. I fell in love with the mission, the vision, the notion that we can plant seeds of greatness in the minds, hearts, and souls of our students the notion that we can prepare them for the world as it is going to be, the notion that we can be the premier life skills university, the concept that I came from business, 35 years of running six businesses. I never worked for anybody. <laughs> I went to grad school and right away began my first business. And the, the long story made short, Hyper University, just a couple of stats, had 1,400 students. Today, we have 6,000. We Epic. have $28 million in revenue. Today, we have about 430. Epic. Um, number 17, U.S. News World Report, best cause in the South. Today, 11 years in a row, number one. Epic. Um, about 100 faculty members. Today, about 450. Epic. The campus was 91 acres landlocked in the middle of a city. Today, we have 550 acres. On assets of about 56 million. Today, exceeding 1 billion. Wow um and uh, we've had now about 15,500 applications for our freshman class going by about 2,000 3,000 a year we went most important we went from three academic schools to 13 academic schools and this is not you know little stuff these academic schools include law dental medicine pharmacy nursing engineering um, optometry you get the idea yeah. at 1 30 today I'm talking to a gentleman who's I'm asking for fifty million dollars to name a school of entrepreneurship. Uh, we've raised in, in my tenure about a billion dollars. We did not, we did not have any capital campaigns. In fact, I don't believe in them. Uh, we just sort of create a great product, great product, Joe and Bill. We create a great product. You know about that. And when you create a great product, people will be the path to your door. Doesn't mean they'll always buy from you, but they'll be the path to your door. So our faculty here are not. Teachers, they're enablers of learning. At high point, we do not weed students out of the system; we weave them into the family. And I believe our culture is incredible; it's extraordinary. And yet, we understand the concerns. We really understand the needs, goals, fears, and aspirations of parents. And more importantly, we understand what it would take for a graduate from college today to excel in an ever-changing, globally competitive marketplace.
0: You said so much. Okay, I I don't even know how to contain myself right now with all these questions. I will tell you first first impression used a lot of business words in there. And boy,
2: you're you're
0: in high, you're in higher education, we don't use business words in higher education. Uh,
2: We do it high high university, Joe, we do it high university.
0: That's the and that's my question. How do you keep faculty, staff, what would be considered traditional higher education? on our toes from a business perspective, because I'll tell you this.
1: We fear change.
0: Right? (laughs) How do you keep the entrepreneurship vibe of a business professional going?
2: Okay, that's a great question. And um, number one, you both need to know, this is the middle of my 19th year. Listen to me, I have not had one conflict with faculty. Not one. (laughs) When you understand the (laughs) needs, goals, aspirations, and fears of others, and when you commit yourself to build bridges of understanding with them, when you become the person who, the catalyst, who can give them what they want, which is security, sustainability, uh, an academic atmosphere, best facilities, great offices, um, and making sure that you give them good students to teach, and you make sure that the environment is conducive, then people are willing to be elastic in their uh, agility and flexibility to tolerate a business guy like me. Um, So I am very, um, I'm sort of a very, very uh, open person. i tell you what I'm thinking. I have a faculty meeting tomorrow. I send faculty all kinds of, I sent one today by, a columnist who said that higher education is, you know, to naught and it's, you know, losing its purpose and people don't want to spend all that money. And uh, I send them stuff like that. I have prepared the faculty meeting. How fifty-six colleges and universities that have shut down in the last two and a half years. How more than four hundred and fifty of them have gone out of business, I'm not about profit. It's nonprofits now. Um, True. This, you know, in the last what? In the last fourteen years, and I explain Joe to your question. I explain the fundamentals needed to run a solid organization. And I show you how when you follow these fundamentals, you are much more likely to succeed yourself. At the end of the day, why are you a faculty member? Because you want to help these students to become really good at what they do. And that's the purpose of why we exist. So I believe when you explain things and when you have an open heart and when you're a fair and and just president, uh, people respond. It doesn't follow therefore that they're like everything we do or everything I say. Those are two different things. I don't want everyone to be a copycat of this president. I want people to have variable ideas and come from different perspectives. But at the end of the day, I am the CEO and I have to call the shot because I cannot sacrifice the university for the sake of any one group, or any one person. I have to look at the next 100 years and say, we are planting seeds to ensure that uh, these students will be remarkably proud of the institution where they graduate so joe i don't know if i answered the question but I, I you know i had six businesses myself i i came as you know from the middle east 50 bucks could hardly speak english my dad died when i was six my mother had fourth grade education she brought us up um and you'll forgive my lack of humility i was very very successful in business and and i have some of the highest awards to prove it you know in in certain organizations but that means nothing if i can't connect with people so it's not about communicating with it's about connecting with you know it's the difference both of you know this it's the difference between content and context so faculty have enormous content in their disciplines Uh, certainly i'm not a scientist so let's take science faculty they have enormous content they know exactly everything about biology and and you know mathematics and new engineering and so on but content my friend in absent of the context in which it might reside is insufficient, it's incomplete, it may be inaccurate and it's frustrating. So my job is to explain to our faculty here, the context in which higher education fits, but much more importantly, focus is more important than intelligence. I'm focused on hyper university. What is the context of hyperuniversity? university? How will we thrive and survive? And by the way, gentlemen, we have, we have survived and thrived over here. You should see this campus, you'll understand. And, and so um, I think when you explain it to people and you say, ladies and gentlemen, I think I have some answers here. Listen to me. I think I know some of these fundamentals. Listen to me. I serve on the, on the board of the fifth largest financial institution in the country. I helped start a banking back in 85. I think I know something about financial strategy. So listen to me. And just like I'm gonna listen to you about academic matter and the needs thereof, and the resources you need to activate these students in a meaningful way. You will learn by the numbers,
1: I will teach you.
2: I love it, Bill, over to you. <laughs> well, I, you've
1: already answered the first 17 questions that I had, um, which is
0: that You're swinging it back to me then?
1: Uh, no, no. Yep. Oh, okay. No, I've had enough of you for a while. May uh, I do the thinking, please? <laughs> you know what, I, I'm just, I'm blown away by by everything you've said, Nito. I mean, I was hired and worked with uh, John Sperling at the University of Phoenix for for many years. And he had many of the same attitudes that you did. Um, He came at it from a different direction. Um, But when when he was there and when the university was successful, it was for the very same reasons that you're talking about. The one thing he told me when he hired me uh, was, if you do what's right for the student, everything else falls into place. And I think that and,
2: and the parents, in my case and the parents.
1: yes, in your case and the parents. Um, and that's something that that stayed with me through my career, but it's also it's it's great business sense. You know, you, you do what's right for the consumer, for the customer, and let's face it, the parents and the students are customers. then, then it gets, it gets uh, you know, it all it all comes out right. What I'm interested in in having you talk about a little bit is obviously you have translated your attitude and your philosophy into the curriculum there. Um, I I read that you start, uh, you teach a a president seminar on life skills. And then as students go on, there are a variety of experiential um, things that students can do internships and undergraduate research. So if you could talk a little bit about that, because I think that's also a, a unique aspect of the, uh, of the experience there.
2: Yeah, Th- thank you for that. I, I think, Bill, that's a, a very, very good perspective and excellent question. Let me, let me just say this. Um, here's how I look at higher education. You have, you have a market, I'm talking about external. Now you have a market and you have an audience. The market are the parents. The audience is the student they think differently, they have different needs and aspirations Um, and therefore your messaging has to be delicately Hmm. specific to that group that you're speaking with. I have, maybe you don't know this about my background, I've spoken 7,500 times professionally across the world, people used to buy tickets to come hear me in all the venues in the major major capitals of the world, Uh, I've written 18 books, I've recorded hundreds of CDs and videos translating 28 languages i literally had millions of people who followed me and mm-hmm. bought my material and and i built a very very thriving consulting firm and i had some of the mm-hmm. biggest corporations frankly i still am a strategic consultant for a couple of major corporations like ashley furniture the world's largest furniture company so look i say this to say like you guys i i, I know the basics of life so let's not kid ourselves life is not that complicated we make it so Life is really simple. <laughs> and it, what has to happen is this. If I'm going to exchange my legal tender with you, I expect you to give me not value. This is, where the, this is where the problems happen. Everybody wants to talk about we render value. Well, gosh, if you don't render some value, you'll be out of business in two hours. Everybody renders value. That's not the magic. The magic lies in the fact that you must render appreciated value. Let me give you an example. Here's the example. Uh, Steve Reinemann, who was the CEO chairman of PepsiCo, is a friend of mine, former CEO chairman. If, if Steve has sent me a truckload of Pepsi products, just gratis, compliments, dear Nito, gift for me to you, um, you would agree that has value. How do we know it has value? It has market share. People buy Pepsi products. For me, it would have had no appreciated value. I don't like Pepsi products. <coughs> I'm going to diet Coke. So, Cheers. Yes. So so where's the appreciated? value? If I gave you two first class tickets to fly to Hawaii, all expenses paid, but you're afraid of flying. There's no appreciated value in that gift. This is where higher education gentlemen misses the point is that the parent is saying, I want my kid to get a job, to make some money, to get off of my payroll so my wife and I can go on a cruise for, for a month. And we miss that. The student is more focused on making straight A's than being prepared for life, and the employer is saying these graduates coming out are not coachable. They know the nice. technical stuff, They know the discipline. They know the content, but it is not married to the context. So what nice. I did in answer to your question, Bill, what I did is I understood that. I innately understood that. No one taught me that. I didn't read that in a book. That's common sense. And therefore I said, what I've got to do is this, appreciate and respect the protocol of the academy. That's the Mona Lisa. I'm not gonna mess with that. To the extent that it is reasonable and fiscally prudent, I'm gonna actually resource those faculty to do an excellent job. However, I don't think that students is gonna get enough. or just the classroom experience. So I hired 24 success coaches. Every student is assigned to a success coach. They track their success just like much you do in a business, like you do a career path. Ah. Then, wow. I, then I realized that wasn't enough. And so I said, we're going to have experiential learning. The Confucius said, you know, I hear I forget. I see I may remember. I do. I understand. How can I get everything inside the classroom to be experientially felt, right? So that I can believe it. When I feel it, I will believe it. And so we began to put programs. We built a whole ecosystem around life skills. This isn't some kind of a branding statement or some, you know, I don't, I don't believe in that. That's hogwash because people know that. They, they, they'll test you out. It is foolish. They disrespect you. So it has to be in the ecosystem. And it has to touch all the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle so that you feel it north and south, east and west. And that wasn't enough. So then I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Now, now remember, I'm telling you all this because... High point when I came here was swimming in an ocean of sameness like most colleges and universities do. And I said, we can't do that. We have to swim in a a, a lake of differentiation. Then I realized that wasn't enough. We have to swim in a small pool of distinction. How do we become distinctive? We cannot be Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Stanford, MIT, or even Duke. So how do I become distinctive, right? I'm not in, our school is not located in, New Orleans, Miami, Boston, Malibu, Chicago. How do I do this? So then I realized what we have to do. We have to provide appreciated value. So then I went out and began to call on my friends, the founder of Netflix, the founder of Apple Computer, the chairman of AT&T board, the chairman of the board of Domino's Pizza, the president CEO of Mark Cuban's operations, on and on and on and on and on, 50 in total. And I attract them to this. I was in business a long time. I served on five corporate boards. You know, I had a pretty good Rolodex. So I called on these friends and I said, I need you to come here every semester. I need you to speak. I need you to dine with my students. I need you to take pictures with them. I I need you to tell them about their failures and their successes. And guess what, guys? It just blew up. Now it's complicated. It's expensive, not just in money, but it's expensive in terms of catering and taking care of them and and executing activating what you want to do right you 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 emote to inspire you inform to involve you must resource to activate so it takes a lot of resources and hey lots of i've had 400 presidents of schools come visit me 400 they all ask me the same question sort of like what you asked me a minute ago how in the world are you doing this How in the world do you have fights with the faculty? How in the world they don't have you know no confidence votes like they do so many camps. How how in the world do you have 19 years? The average president is about three and a half, four years tenure today. And that's what I tell them. I say, we 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 figured out what these different audiences need to be happy and joyful and feel significant. And to the extent one can do that, we can do that. We're a very generous institution, very, very generous with bonuses. I give the university my place at the beach. Faculty can go take their family to the beach free of charge. Um, everybody gets money on the passport, $600. dollars they can eat free on campus. Uh, technology gifts, other, all the clothing you want is all free uh, to faculty and staff. Um, this is a different mindset. But we have never lost sight of the fact that we are an educational institution, that the academic protocol must be preserved that I wouldn't want in any way to do something frivolous. Everything must be substantive and substantial. That's how, Joe, to your question, faculty respect that. But I'm also a straight shooter. You see how I'm talking to you? That's the way I talk. I'm a straight shooter. Like you two gentlemen, I also know my stuff. I'm not some guy who just came off the street, Being around the block, know a few things, succeeded in my own life, and I'm not bashful telling you that because you need to know that to adapt your perspective when you think about where I am positioned. Um, And, you know, it works, man. What can I tell you? It works. I, I don't mean to suggest it's easy. I wouldn't want a single person here, Joe, listening to us or watching us to assume that it's a walk in the park. It is not a walk in the park. It is complex to lead the university. It is difficult to fill enrollment the way you wanna fill it with the right discount rate and all of that. Our discount rate is under 30%. It is difficult to create revenue or expense, which I have to have because we built 108 buildings. We, I told you we bought 450 acres. We don't borrow money. Everybody wants to say, oh, Nito, oh, you know, I've got this, he's a house, of cards." That's baloney, that's jealousy, that's envy. Every building we build on this campus, we build with cash. We don't even have a construction loan. So we're pretty adept, as you gentlemen know, we're pretty adept at managing cash flow. And uh, business families love this. They eat it up. They want to place their kids in an environment where they can get a solid academic education and their discipline, but also be prepared for life. And that's why my- Prepare to be astonished. And that's why my friends, I'll tell you, we're doing very well, and I'm very grateful. We're a God family country school. I should tell you that we're a God family country school. Let me shout it from the mountaintop. I'm a patriot. You see American flag behind me. I put my hand on my heart when we when we salute the flag. And this is not a school where you just anything goes. It's not. And yet we're an inclusive school. We have we have people with all religions and no religions, all political parties, and some lost people who don't know what that is. Um, but nevertheless. It works, somehow it works. I believe when you respect other people and when you're civil, mm-hmm. when you're inclusive um, and when you're fair and just, fairness and justice. And frankly, gentlemen, when you're authentic, I put authenticity above charisma any day of the week. Mm. I want my people here, including in fact, to know this president is honest and forth. I may not like what he does, I'll give you a simple example. You want to take the most difficult subject that you could ever discuss? It's called tenure. No. I say to faculty, I'll ask you one simple question. Why isn't tenure booked on the balance sheet as a liability? In business, when you have a promissory note, you book it on a balance sheet as a liability. So explain something to me. Does it make any difference to you if you have full tenure but you're working in a failing institution. How how does that preserve your own personhood? How does that, what are you going to tell people, I don't make any money and my job is maybe in peril, but but I'm tenured? It doesn't make a bit of sense. So at High Point, we have to be very responsible. We cannot tenure everybody. I talked to a president, 90% of his people are tenured. No wonder these schools are going broke. Mm-hmm. Ones that, that have endowment and all that, we're not talking about those. We're talking about all these schools in the middle and below were struggling. There's a school in Alabama, I won't mention the name Phi Beta Kappa, about to go out of business. They had to go to the legislature and say, if you don't give us money, look it up. If you don't give us money, let's shut down. What and the th- heck is going on? And the legislator said, can't give you money, you're a private school. This is tax money. So they said, well, can you lend us some money? They're about a thirty million dollars of legislature. Now, now I, you know, our leader of that school, I, I take a very different approach. So I had those problems, my friend. I told you, one hundred twenty million deferred maintenance, but you still we we went from fifty-six million million to more than a billion net assets. And you should see this campus. I mean, we built a ton of. We have academic facilities like you can't imagine. Laboratories of the highest order. And the schools we started are difficult schools, as I cited earlier. They're not simple schools to start. They're very difficult. Accreditation, as you know, very, very difficult. So I look, I'm a no-nonsense guy. I'm a results-oriented guy. Everybody has a t-shirt that says results rule. Effort is lovely. I'm grateful for it. But results rule. You got to show me the bottom line. The results that applies, Joe, to admissions. It applies to facilities. It applies to business office. And it applies to faculty.
1: Excellent.
2: If I have classes that have six people in them, <laughs> I go bunkers. I'm losing money in that class. I have to. You have to explain that to faculty. Most presidents maybe are scared to do that. I say, look, I've done. The, I've done my homework. I literally have someone go around and look at every hour. When I first came here, we had classes. I know I'm going too long, but but listen, you're kind <laughs> to me. Um, when I first came here, we had classes basically that went from nine, 10 in the morning, about two o'clock in the afternoon. Now, you know, lesson number one, load management, efficiency, productivity, and every school wanted to have its own building. I said, time out. I can't do that. That's- well, let's start the insanity. That's a, it's my nature. Yes. So I said, we're going to have classes from 7.45 in the morning to 7.45 at night. And yeah. some professors would like to teach at 7.45 in the morning. Some would like to teach 7.45 at night. Guess what? It works. Load management. Every why do we have red eye flights? Why people misunderstand they think it has to do with the atmospherics and so on. The fact is, those airplanes cost so much money, they must stay in the air, otherwise, you will never get your money back. Well, we built a hundred million dollar building here. I can't use it for hours a day. So our faculty here are on campus Monday through Friday, minimum five hours a day, and um and and they teach. As well as they get involved in, we don't have faculty who teach one class and make three hundred thousand dollars a year and uh, spend all the rest of the time, you know, research or whatever. I respect research for sure. I respect research. America needs more research, but we're 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 not a research. We're not R one, R two. We are. We have we have you know we have doctoral programs in seven or eight disciplines, and some of our faculty do research. In like fact, yesterday I'm very very proud of our undergrads they i went to all of their undergrad research it was fabulous i'll talk about it tomorrow at the faculty meeting um but you got to teach you got to be in the classroom right everything is about productivity and efficiency otherwise otherwise you lose you lose and then i show examples of colleges laying people off taking away 401k uh making them teach 16 20 hours uh you know uh, the, the chair is broken and the and the, and the projector doesn't work, and it's from 20 years ago, that's not gonna fly. These kids coming to our schools so today are so savvy, so socially uh, engaged, and they know technology <clears> like <throat> the back of their heads. We talk about AI, artificial intelligence is gonna change the world, it's changing the world. But here's the deal, guys. You can have all the artificial intelligence you want, you'll never have artificial wisdom. Yeah. Artificial wisdom.
0: That's yes! It's time to jam. Oh, uh, 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 yeah. At Jenzabar Jam, the annual meeting for the Jenzabar community in Orlando, Florida, May 31st through June 3rd, 2023, you are invited to join us for the annual gathering of this Jenzabar community at the Gaylord Palms Resort in Orlando, Florida. Don't miss it. You're going to discover new tips and tricks that you can save your office time, resources, and money every single day. It's time to jam. Register now at jam.genzibar.com. Oh, yeah. You know that the world of higher education is experiencing evolutions and revolutions. You want to be part of the progress. Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education with insights from more than 100 college and university presidents will show you how. Get your copy of Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education now on Amazon right away. We think you're going to love it. It's amazing. Nita, I want to,
1: one of the things that I, uh, the lesson that I'm learning here, I'm not learning it, but you're reinforcing it. It's something I used to tell uh, my staff and my faculty is that every business decision you make is also an academic decision. And every academic decision is also a business decision. And you have to balance those two things. Now, Having said that, um, have you made the decision, whether it's business or academic, to stay residential and not have a large online presence?
2: The answer is yes. Um, But I don't know that I'm right. Okay, so let me just qualify the answer. During COVID, we stayed open. We spent $20 million to ensure that we have a safe campus. And I asked the parents this simple question. We can go online for those who want to go online. You can stay home and study remotely. And our faculty were fantastic. They agreed to do both. It's unbelievable. I I bonus everybody. And I said, you are unbelievable to be able to do that. And, um, but I stayed open. I said to the parents, what do you want me to teach your kids? Every time there's a problem, we go hide. We put our light under the bushel. I want to teach your kids to have perseverance, grit. To understand that adversity will always be in their path and they must learn to go over it, under, around it, and deal with it. So I stayed open. I ran at 10 hotels and, and hired extra nurses, extra security, extra food people. We delivered hot food to every one of those kids. At one time, gentlemen, I had 760 kids quarantined. Now, you know what, I'm just, what I just said to you? We had to deliver hot food, supplies, make sure the nurse is checking on them, make sure mom and dad are not worried in Boston or Miami or, or Chicago. And I, I recorded a video every day and sent it to the parents. Let me tell you what's going on today. Let me show you. The kids are doing fine. Sure, we have, you know, these masks and sure, we're sitting separate, but I want, it's normal, guys. It's really normal. Look, we're doing it. We're making it. That's a leader who shows people that you can have confidence in. Nailed it. You can trust us, right? And so, um, so, however, we are a residential institution. 93.6% of our students live on campus. You're required to live on campus. Freshman, sophomore, junior. You can live off campus. Seniors, 85% of them choose to live on campus. Um, we built some phenomenal facilities. We're always waiting in the top two or three best dorms in America. Um, and but you have to understand the business side of it. So I have to get our money back triple net 10 years or less. Some of these buildings we build, they have to pay back in six years or less. Otherwise you can't afford to do it because you need the money to rotate to start another academic school, especially when you're not borrowing money. And so you need fundraising and you need internal discipline in your fiscal strategy. Um, having said that, Bill, I am not against online. We now are testing it with two or three programs. For example, mm-hmm. we have MBA that's done remotely. Uh, for example, we have a doctor of medical science that's done remotely. But Bill, I'm not an expert in that area. I don't know really the ins and outs. I mentioned to your friend earlier where you know 90,000 students online. You certainly know the business um, very well. Um, I I have to balance this off, believing that. 18, 19, 20, 21 years old will do better when you live in residency. Uh, studies have shown that they perform better academically and socially. However, in graduate programs, you can be much more lenient because these are adults who may be working full time. So you help me. I, I'm open to it. I want to learn more about how to run <laughs> a program online well. The other thing is, Online, um, I think, takes certain structural changes. And I don't think that the revenue over expense, I'll use those words, uh, is as fruitful as residential program. Uh, Because we have housing that's tiered. Most people don't like that. Uh, Yet life, all of life is tiered. Uh, You know, you, you, you get what you pay for. So you can leave in tier you can live in tier one, you can live in tier five. There's certain people who say things about us here and say, oh, I can't believe they do that. Everything should be equal to everybody. And then these kids graduate from college and they're trying to sit in first class when they have a coach ticket. Good luck. You'll get arrested.
0: Yeah, they go to their first job and not everything is equal in that job, is it? Hello.
2: Hello. Huh. And and the boss says, You got to earn it. You got to show me you can do something and we'll move you up. You don't just ask for it. So, but, but, uh, uh, Bill, to, to your question, um, we have to learn more about that, and we have to become better. And I know, I know that um, uh, Joe has a terrific program in that area and does a lot of that with adult learning and so on. We're we're, we're not there, but if you have recommendations for me, I welcome them offline anytime.
1: Okay. Well, maybe we'll talk. Yeah. I got one more. I want to. I want to ask
2: send you. Me, Bill, send me your contact information. My, I Paul, Joe, for all of your listeners and viewers, here's my email. You can write me anytime. I have one assistant in my office. One. I do my own speech, <laughs> my own prep for the board. Um, I answer every email myself. I don't have this president ad. I have N Cobain. N-Q-U B as in boy E-I-N. N as in needle. Q-U. There's no E after the, the U. It's N-Q-U b e i n um, at high point one word h i g h p o i n t dot e d u so so send me send me your information there and I'll, I'll i will
0: go. definitely i'll be definitely be in touch
2: you joe you too joe
0: we're all on the same email together on this invite by the way that's so right so.
2: Yes, yes i mean so we'll joe see. you're an expert what you do is unbelievable man so that's the, that's the the i'm going to read the book commencement i'm going to go buy it today it's a, um,
1: it's a great book. So, I'll I
2: to send an autographed copy because then I have to keep it. But if I buy it, I'll read it and then I'll put it on eBay and get double the money.
1: <laughs> well, one last thing I'd like to get your thoughts on, you Nito, know, before I throw it back to Joe, because um, he's been unusually quiet today. Um, and that is, well clearly there's a there's a a real life business experiential focus at High point. What's your position there on integrating the liberal arts and general education? How do you you see that?
2: Yeah, well, um, I'm a business major. You know, I I went undergrad and grad business. So my focus was more finance and marketing. Those are really the strengths that I have. And that's what I did in my consulting. I showed many companies how to brand, how to market, how to position in the marketplace. I today still consult with a number of CEOs um, and... Um, my position is we need liberal arts. If you define liberal arts as, you know how do, you, how, do you, how do you acquire critical thinking, if you mm-hmm. if you define it as understanding our history and history in general, because it, it does enlighten us in all kinds of ways. I'm a ferocious reader. I read two books a week. So um, I love to read about other leaders, what they've done, the good and the bad, the successful, and the failures. And um, so, so liberal arts in my book is very fine. Say okay. I have determined though, that I could not make High Point University sufficiently successful today, tomorrow and forevermore, only on liberal arts. Mm -hmm. We've opened up all kinds of healthcare, um, uh, you know, programs here. I have PA, PT, you you name it, we've got it. And, and we started engineering school because and that has computer engineering and so on uh, because that's the future so or that's the present really so we have got to become much much stronger in the disciplines uh that have a future view right so that's engineering technology sciences healthcare um and we have i've discovered something amazing and that is when you start these graduate programs in these disciplines you attract remarkable faculty, learning, amazing, learned people, you know, who, who have done extensive research, have written all kinds of books, and who have made all kinds of presentations. They know the stuff. So, what that has done in a, in a curious yet wonderful way, it raised the whole tide here of excellence among faculty. Even the undergraduate faculty have been here for a while, There are only about 30, 35 faculty today who were here when I first arrived. Um, and that's because we had 100, most of them retired by now. By the way, every year we lose about 7%, 8% of faculty, some for natural causes, you know, a spouse is somewhere else, or they want to live next to their parents who are aging. But some, I'm sure, they may not tell me that, dissatisfaction with who, with who we are. Some don't like the fact we're God, family, country, school. Um, that's okay. I respect that. I don't judge that. And I tell it, every open house, by the way, we're a God family country, we're the premier life skills university. If that bothers you, I respect that. We will not judge that. But this may not be the school for you. That's- you know, one
0: thing, you know, I, I got to tell you about your the life skills conversation and on kind of piggybacking off Bill's topic as we uh, get closer to the hour. But I want to make this comment so much uh, as we talk about liberal arts and gen eds are they're named poorly and they're named poorly for parents to understand that their kids are going to actually learn something and yeah, if you yeah. think about taking a class and renaming it to how about ai prompt generation or math for excel or how to sell yeah. uh, 101 how to sell yourself in an interview Or you think about, we learn these things within courses, but if we actually named courses to what they did and how they communicated, you'd be talking about changing the entire appreciated value of higher education. I I talk about this and I write this in the book and I go, and and this comes up because we interviewed a guy way, way back at the beginning when we started this podcast and he's the president of um, iHeartRadio in New York, um, Bernie Weiss, and he says, I don't understand these courses. Why isn't somebody taking a course in account management? Because when they get out of college and they're an account manager, which is an entry-level position that I'm hiring for, they don't know a lick about customer service and account management. They know. know, But, Joe, you know the answer to that question. Yeah. Uh, Accreditation. I just want you to change it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we have. I
2: I, I say to faculty, when you name a course a certain way, Ask yourself this question. Will the parents see the appreciated value in that course, which is costing about $6,000, nice. $7,000? Ask yourself that question. If you had a child, would you pay money? But we know why the, the courses are named that way, because accreditation appreciates it more, because when they go deliver papers at, at conferences, if you put these the titles you've just used, which is what I like, um, all my books, by the way, are called like that.
0: Yeah, you've written like 40 books, right?
2: 40, well, 18, 18 books, but they're all yeah. simple titles, nothing, nothing fancy footwork. Um and, and so they will not get respected in the academy. So what you're talking about is a changeover in the very um in Fabric. the visceral of how academics value, otherwise, they will call them parochial pedestrian titles. It doesn't suggest learned intellect right so but that you're ex- exactly right parents don't relate to that employers don't relate to
0: that yeah that's right there it is no yeah
2: by the way at Hype, point every student is, is 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 required to take a sales course uh we put them on camera you have to sell me something yeah. uh every student has to take my class in which we teach everything from leadership to communication to fiscal literacy um and we have all kinds of practical and pragmatic disciplines here that we teach and we bring all these people to come and talk about.
0: I want to be sensitive to your time, Nito, and, and I want you to take a few minutes to give us anything else you want to say about High Point. Open mic for you to say anything you want and weave that in to what you see for the future of higher education.
2: Yeah. Um, thank you for that, Joe. I do not I, I do not think that a Hype University is the end-all, be-all the perfect place, I do not. I think we are a work in progress as we should be. I think the world around us is changing in a very, very fast, a very, very fast pace. We must adapt to it and we must understand it and acknowledge its application in what we're doing. So I do not raise my hand and say, everybody do what we're doing and you're gonna be phenomenal. I don't know that, I will never proclaim that. What I do know is that we're in High Point, North Carolina and we have, we have challenges in certain areas um, and we had to do things to take the school in a place that can be very competitive. Uh, sadly, sadly, I say to you today, our students apply High Point, University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, um, SMU, uh, Pepperdine, um, you know, and I go Miami and I go, holy cow. I don't want them comparing us to these schools. C- can you can you cut me some slack over here? The market doesn't care. Yep. Market perceives you there, they, they want to perceive you. So my advice to higher education would simply be what, what you've already, both of you said. Number one, you gotta be practical. You gotta be practical. It's wonderful to teach theory, but you must show me, you must show me the application of that theory in real life. Uh, it's difficult to do when the when the teachers don't come from that. Uh, you know, their background. So we have to support them and we have to show them that that is good for them. Number two, um, I I hope any academic leaders listening to us today will forgive me when I say this. I know that a university like High Point or Lindenwood are not a business. I know what a business is. I know that. However, If we do not employ business fundamentals, it's hopeless. We will be inefficient, unproductive, fiscally irresponsible. We wouldn't know when we have an economic downturn like the most disruptive economic times that we had in America, 08, 09, 10, 11, 12, and COVID comes along and we throw our hands in there and say government, send us money, send us money because we can not survive. All those to me, are natural, instinctive responses that, that we have to understand, we must employ that. So that means you gotta have on your team people who get that. Not just, say this respectfully, not just people in the business office or CPAs, for example. We need those, we want a clean audit every year. We want everything done correctly in, in procurement and in accounts, payables and receivables, all that. But you better have some people who understand strategic finance, who understand strategic marketing, who understand strategic organizational structures. If you don't, you make decisions all over the place. I look at these schools that have 20, 30, 40, 50 centers for everything. and If they're Harvard, God bless them. I used to be on a board of one of the centers up there. Um, But if you're a high point, you can't afford that. This is not logical. And you have to pick the two or three things like leadership, um and say i'm going to feed that or entrepreneurship i'm going to feed that but i can't e- establish everything under the sun because you know you 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 diffuse your resources and you will fail surely so you know high point university is a beautiful place it has a wonderful culture wonderful wonderful culture you'll see it in the first 20 seconds you're here um, our faculty are not robots uh, but they are mature and they're accepting and they'll debate responsibly. And I love that. That's that's as a leader, that's what I need. I have 16, 17 senior VPs and Vs and, 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 and VPs, and I have 13 deans, and I'll put them against anybody's as a whole, as a group, the pockets that need improvement, yes, but as a whole. And um, and just so you know, I'm 74 years old, and um I'm going nowhere, and and I can't. Nailed it. Because I started things. I got to finish them. I got to make sure the job is done. So we have to grow our endowment. We only have $150 million. That's going to be at least 500 and We have to close our reserves. We were at zero. Now we have tens of million dollars in reserves. Um, we still have old-timey debt of about $99 million, paying it down about $8 million a year. It's 2.5% debt, so we really should never pay it down. Um, and and um, we show significant revenue over expense perhaps better than anybody in the nation. And I don't apologize for that. There are some people who wanna make me feel guilty about it. They don't understand what it takes to run a successful organization. So I also think you have to be bold, Joe. You have to be responsibly bold, not for the sake of ego and bold, that's stupid. So I don't think of myself as a president. I think of myself as a servant leader, as a steward and I will talk to the dishwasher and I will talk to every student and I make time to do all of that. However, if you ask me what my what my dream position at Hypo would be, your job, Joe. He would be yeah. in charge of enrollment because my number one love, I was recording all morning. By the way, we have something called HPU plus, like mathematical plus. Mm-hmm. It's an app you can download. It's free. It is loaded with my interviews and loaded with a masterclass from me and others. It's all free. And um, I was recording this morning some masterclass pieces and I saw tours outside the area. I stopped the recording. I went and talked with them. The next group came in. I said, come on in, come on in, sit down here. Watch me do this recording. And I took 10 minutes to explain to them why I'm doing it. I live for that. And so you gotta love what you do. That's my point. You gotta love what you do. This does not work for me. I'll work 12 hours a day, 14. I'll come Saturday, evening, whatever. It's, you know, my kids are growing. My wife is very understanding. She's very involved in the university as a volunteer, and I love what I do. And I love doing this. You know, I do podcasts maybe once or twice a week.
0: Not like this. Not yeah. like this podcast. No, not like this. No, no, no.
2: <laughs> Usually
0: it's one person. Oh, oh, Half yeah. learned it, but
2: today I've got the I've got Google in my front of me here. Um, yeah. but Joe, listen, um, I do think the future is bright. I do. I do think hope is eternal. I do. I also think there are going to be a lot of schools that shut down. And a lot of them who will be just trying to hook up. To, seven schools came to me and wanted me to take him over. Three of them said, just take us over. You don't have to pay us anything. I'm like you guys. I can analyze and dissect uh, financial statements. And I look at him and I go, why would I do that? All right, Scott. Taking issues, right? And so I'm sad to see that. I must tell
0: you I'm sad. because those hand, schools are two years late coming to you. Exactly. Right? They're two years that, late. You're exactly right. But as a business, you know, experienced person,
2: we have too many colleges. We just have too many of them. And you must, you must, you know, like banks, you must purge them and, 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 and create stronger institutions. And so, and by the way, I don't know what Lindenwood's discount rate is. I talked to three, or four presidents who came to see me in the last three, four weeks. And these are pretty good schools. You would know some of those schools. Mm-hmm. This weights in the 70 percentile, 65 to 70 percentile. I, I don't get it.
0: Yeah, you can't, You can't. well, it's because you're not running the business. You're the first, one of the first things I did here is go, what's a discount rate? And how, in, how could we possibly maintain that. So we've reduced it significantly right away, just by not giving. I mean, there is culture, I know, we're going over time, but there's a culture of just giving things out. Oh, here's the disk we're just gonna give this to you. And I go, why are we doing that? Why are we just giving things away? Why don't we sell? Why don't we sell the experience and the student will want to buy it, rather than us trying to justify the sale by giving you more of something. If you're gonna give it away, go somewhere else.
2: I mean, Right. Well, it's, it's a give it away the student is not getting benefit because that's right they can they can't upgrade technology they can't hire the best faculty and have the best lab so you're actually cheating yourself and cheating your your population
0: with that ladies and gentlemen i have to tell you what an episode this was oh boy we could go on forever bill don't you think oh man i yeah i would uh i'm going to have to come out and
1: visit this is uh there are lessons to be learned at high point for sure
2: lunch is on me oh. okay lunch is on me <laughs>
0: I'm going to be in Raleigh in in June. How close are you how close Oh, is- my goodness. We're only an
2: hour 20 from Raleigh. So, Joe. Maybe I'll swing on in. God be your witness. Oh, in June. Well, I'm not usually here in June. But um, when you come in this area, God be your witness. You're going to come see me. In, because I would like to talk with you. I'd like to learn from you, uh, both of you. But, but, Joe, given what you do now at Lindenwood, I can learn a lot from you.
0: Well, I'll teach about podcast, you knew a little bit about speaking, but maybe we'll do an in-person podcast. How about that? We'll, we'll create something uh, and I'll see what I can work out. I want to let my guest co-host go. He's Dr. Bill Pepicello, former president of the University of Phoenix and online higher education guru. Bill, thanks for coming today and rolling out of bed. Uh, what mountain, where do you mountain standard time now?
1: Yeah, well, so we're on basically Pacific time right now. And but you don't wake up before eyes. 10
0: a.m. I mean, it wasn't.
1: Know? wasn't a thrill to be with you joel but nito you were this was a great interview thank you
2: so much thank you it's my pleasure and my privilege to be with both of you
0: ladies and gentlemen our guest today your guest here he is he is dr nito cobain he is president of high point university and he is a man on a mission nito did you have a good time on the podcast today
2: i had a really great time i, I learned listen I, I took notes
0: hey <laughs> With it's that, called, ladies and gentlemen, go go ahead, Nito, last word. It's, it's called enlightened
2: self-interest, right? So <laughs> most people dwell in the zone of self-interest, but enlightened self-interest says be an open mind, have a growth mindset, learn from everybody. Everybody can teach you something. And so I, I love to do this because it teaches me how to be a clear thinker and therefore a clear speaker. When you ask me those questions, it also underscores for me what we're doing. And it reminds me of some of the stuff. And it encourages me to do better every day. And so I thank you for being here. And in, in well, the, in the, in the, uh, I got to take this call. Hi, I, Glenn, hold, hold tight. I'm doing a podcast. Give me oh, this. Oh, I love
0: that he's okay. taking a call right in the middle of the podcast. Okay. That's amazing. So, um, so. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, this,
2: this, um, guy, this guy is the, you've seen him on television, is called the billionaire. What is it called? The billionaire. What is that show called? The Underdog Billionaire. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah, and nice. a, a dear friend of mine is a great, great guy. At 30 today, I'm talking to a giant of industry, and uh, the ask is $50 million. So I think you brought me some luck. If I get if I get, <laughs> if I get, get $30 million today, I'm going to buy you lunch, and it will be the best hamburger you've ever had. Oh, geez. <laughs> I, I'm going
0: to tell you what. Well, with that, ladies and gentlemen, you know what we do here at the EdUp Experience. We make education your business. That's the tagline. I think we've done that today. You just upped. Are you a Genzabar user or super user? Well, it's time to jam at Genzibar Jam, May 31st through June 3rd in Orlando, Florida. Register today at jam.genzibar.com. It's time to level up. The beginning of a new era in higher education begins with you. Order your copy of Commencement, The Beginning of a New Era in Higher Education, by Kate Colbert, Dr. Joseph Lucille, with contributions by Elvin Freitas, It's Higher Education's must-read book of 2022. Discover how you can seize the moment to change higher education forever. Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education now available on Amazon. For bulk orders, contact Kate, Joe, or Elvin.